0: CB Insights presents a conversation with transportation innovator Noam Bardeen, co-founder and chief wazer at Ways. Waze. The interviewer is CNBC's Aditi Roy. This conversation was recorded December 12, 2017. For more information about CB Insights, visit cbi.vc.
1: Great to be here. I am joined by Noam Bardeen, Chief Wazer, the head of Waze. Great to have you with us.
0: It's great to be here.
1: Let's get right into it. Earlier this year, a company announced that it's going to be ramping up its carpooling service. Tell us more about some of the challenges in rolling it out in cities.
0: So we haven't really started rolling it out. We're live today in California and just started rolling out in Texas. But we've basically been experimenting a lot with this concept of how do we share our everyday car and um, you know we have we have several big revolutions coming in transportation so one is electrification one is autonomy but one is really the move away from ownership of cars mm-hmm. and our mission at ways has always been about fighting traffic like to say outsmarting traffic together and we've kind of reached a point now that we kind of run out of options. You know, there are only so many roads, so many lanes, and there are way too many cars. And you know, it doesn't compute. So we kind of load balance the roads in many areas, but still there just isn't enough capacity. And we look at carpooling. If we can get a fraction of, of the people to actually share their car with others, we can radically change the, the traffic situation. And it's a problem because we're asking everyone to be slightly uncomfortable in return for massive societal gains. Yeah. which is obviously a challenge you know for for a, for every individual, and that's where we've been spending a lot of our time, really understanding how do you get people in together. the The challenges here are not so much technical but the more so social or mm-hmm. how do you engineer social experiences?
1: And that brings me to my next question. I mean, you said that the whole thing is getting people to agree, kind of sign this contract to do something that's going to be a little bit uncomfortable. How do you get people to do that then? How do you socially engineer an experience?
0: So it's interesting. It's not actually uncomfortable when you do it. It's uncomfortable when you think of it. Yeah. So our biggest predictor of if someone is going to pick you up is has they, have they ridden with you before? So before they've ever ridden with you, they will not be willing to do any kind of detour, they want, to, they want money for it, etc. Once they know you and they've actually ridden together, they will drive 15 minutes out of their way to pick you up. Mm-hmm. And you know we're humans at the end of the day. We are social creatures. We forget about it in today's world where we sit alone and play with our phones, whatever, but we were born to be in societies and to be in communities and to interact with people. So once people actually try the service they're hooked, we get over 75% of people who tried once, try again, want to continue with the service, great retention. Uh, the big challenge, of course, is how do you get over those, those, those hurdles, those social hurdles?
1: How do you get someone to go that first time then?
0: So it, it's it's complicated. Um, a lot of that has been, uh, what we've seen is there's sort of clusters of value that are created with mm-hmm. carpooling. There's some people that live in, in urban deserts where there really is no transportation and, and they have no choice. So they're willing to go way out of their way. There are people that take two hours on public transit where it will take 15 minutes by car, but they just don't have a car, right? <laughs> there are people that are believers. These are all sort of early adopters, which is the stage that we're definitely in, but when we look deeper into the market, the issue of parking a lot of times is the most expensive part of your commute. And it could take the most amount of time. The issue of tolls and HOV lanes. So, we just launched an HOV feature and we're actually looking at the time in ETAs between HOV and non HOV. If I can save you 12, 15 minutes on your commute from San Francisco to Mountain View, you know getting that hov lane is important enough for you to do to go a long way and so there are a lot of different uh, values that carpooling creates obviously for society it creates a lot of value but for each individual it's a different story and this is part of our product challenge how do we surface that value to the right user
1: how are you unique from a lyft or an uber let's say so ride sharing
0: and, and carpooling are, are very different in, in industries or or offers you know carpooling has been tried since the 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 first uh, second world war i think a lot of people know the the sign of if you ride alone you ride with hitler Uh, and 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 basically this was the u.s government trying to convince people to carpool the the logic has been there in the 70s the u.s government spent a lot of money on this companies have tried this but At the end of the day, it is a societal challenge, it's it's a consumer um, challenge of how do you actually interact with people. Ride sharing is is very much taking an existing model of uh, uh, taxis, transportation, etc. and taking it way ahead. So what what Uber and Lyft have managed to do is just phenomenal in terms of changing our mindset. I think all of these different services, they'll go from the same premise. It's about moving away from ownership of cars. To, to transportation as a service. And and this does not necessarily have to do with autonomy or electrification, right? is a lot of people conflate everything together. Uh, and, and if you think about, it, I think about today, what, what, what Uber and Lyft have done for me, I don't rent a car anywhere I go, That's uh, like it's gone. And I find it strange, the idea of renting a car now. Right? And, and we think about it, if you extrapolate it out, my daughter, my eldest daughter is 14, she, she she's not going to be getting a driver's license she's not going to understand why does she need a driver's license if she has her daddy's credit card and an uber account you know etc. like she doesn't need that so i think these are the kind of changes we're going mm-hmm. through
1: are there some cities over others that are more fit for that type of a carpool service let's say uh, or unfit let's say new york with there's so much competition between ride-sharing services and public transportation so
0: when you leave the U.S., for example, if you take a city of Sao Paulo in, in Brazil, they have an odd even license plate scheme. So if your license plate ends on an odd day, you can only drive into the city on an odd day. That's the perfect example for carpooling, right? You can Some people buy two cars there to drive each day. Um, but fundamentally, those kind of a, of a situations which are getting deployed further and further you know, lanes is very much an American thing. In, in other parts of the world, you do a lot of uh, restrictions around whether it's restrictions to time of day, a car. A, a, you know, London has its congestion pricing. All these kind of models are about really trying to lower the, the number of cars that come into a city center. And the more restrictions are placed on cars, the more attractive carpooling is within that environment.
1: Let's move on to autonomous driving because you talked about that. When do you see ourselves in a world where it's truly going to be driverless?
0: So as I said, I think there are three different things going on. There's electrification, which is great for the environment, but frankly, doesn't change the fundamental economics. There's autonomy, which is, and we're talking about it in cars, but also in drones and in robots and in factories, is a fundamental change to how society is built. Um, and as a fundamental change though it is not going to happen overnight we, we in the valley here feel like it's happening tomorrow right like we see Waymo cars driving around and we yeah. see it's all about to happen right it, it took 20 25 years to reach a point where we can freely trade a bit of data wherever you are on your mobile phone from when the internet began right and this is bits here we're talking about real things that we need to transport around it's going to take tremendous amount of time but I think we're seeing really amazing progress I would guess in the next year or two we'll probably see an OEM come out with a car that can give you 85% self-driving
1: 85%
0: and and 85% you think about it is not enough for the fundamental change of moving to transportation as a service but from a consumer perspective if 85% of my ride can be autonomous that's phenomenal and and the question to me is very much, who's gonna create the right models to build the right pla- the right technology there? So if you think of what Tesla's doing, right? Tesla's collecting, it's charging me a lot of money for my car so it can collect data to build its next car, right? Mm-hmm. Which is brilliant from a, from a business model perspective. And, and that's really, I think, the, the challenges we have going forward. Regulation is still out there. There's enough battery capacity in the world to, to build the cars tomorrow. I mean, we have fundamental challenges in changing how our society is built, that autonomy is driving to. It is happening, it's gonna be, I think it's gonna be the most uh, uh, impactful change that I'll ever see in my lifetime. I mean, this is going to make the internet seem like a rounding error.
1: When we were talking that. about your saying, I mean, the technology is virtually there. It's also a matter of getting people to just literally let go of that steering wheel. I know I've done a test drive in, in one of those, and it's, it's really terrifying when you see the person next to you that's supposed to be the driver and their hands are not on that wheel. There's something psychologically, it's really tough about it.
0: So I don't know whose car you were driving in <laughs> the whole thing, but putting that aside, I actually see a different experience. People get into the car, the car starts driving, it's like, wow, I can't believe it's turning and then nothing happens. The car just drives wherever it's going. It's just like a regular car, it drives you from place to place and immediately people are looking for the next thing and I think this is sort of the gap. People are trying to get the core technology in place but very few companies, and there there are a few, but very few are thinking about what does the world look like? in that world where things are autonomous you know we, we've got this company i, I forget their name that, that do these bus rides from san francisco to los angeles mm-hmm. at night right with its beds yes right fundamentally that's part of this change matt i I, it, I would never take a job in san francisco and commute from the bay here mm-hmm. but if there was a, a mobile gym that all i would do is get in the morning and actually. Work out on the way to San Francisco. That changes the time completely.
1: That bus I think drives overnight, so you're sleeping. This is on the bus. Right. So in yeah. that
0: case, you're sleeping. So these are the kind of changes. The begin that that are the autonomy will bring in the sense where, where, where the time is different. What you do with that time changes.
1: Keeping that in mind, what's the higher priority then? Adapting autonomous cars to for current infrastructure, or changing our infrastructure to adapt to an autonomous future?
0: So I mean, definitely in America. We will not be able to adapt our infrastructure to anything. We can't adapt it to ourselves, right? I mean, our infrastructure is a joke. We all know that. Germany might be a company, a country that would be able to actually decide we're going to adapt our infrastructure. To actually, do it. Maybe Japan, but in the grand scheme of things, most places, you know, government is dysfunctional everywhere, right? And and infrastructure is so expensive that's not going to happen. And so I think that the, the direction that most autonomous cars are going today, which is let's take for granted the, the, the infrastructure and let's figure out how we can work within it, what's going to happen.
1: How do you adapt your navigation app to a self-driving world?
0: So a self-driving world, it has, it has several things about it, but one of them really is the issue of, of moving from ownership to, to transportation as a service. And whatever the the... The, the technological solution that ends up being the winner. So Elon Musk thinks we're going to drink, drill tunnels right under roads. Mm-hmm. Some people think we're going to fly over uh, with self-driving cars, some are going to drive. In the, doesn't matter, whatever it is, the more people you get into it, the, the cheaper the per uh, mile transaction is. <coughs> and that's really the core of carpooling when we look at it. It doesn't matter if you're flying or driving a tunnel, whatever it is, how to get people who don't know each other who are going the same direction to get into a car together, share that space, and make it at a fraction of the cost. I mean, we love to talk about technology here, but at the end of the day, most people in America don't live here in the Bay. And for most people in America, the cost of transportation is a big part of their budget. And cost is really going to be what's driving a lot of this market. So technology is cool and important and everything, but if we can't bring down the cost to something fractional, we don't really change the market itself.
1: How do you bring down that cost then?
0: So. A lot of things are going on today. I think Lyft and Uber have done a phenomenal job of lowering our costs cost pretty dramatically, right? Um, it's still at the point where it's very expensive to commute from San Francisco to Mountain View in an Uber, right? But it's getting better with Uber Pool, you know, with Lyft Line. Uh, Carpooling is going to bring that down more dramatically. We believe we're about a quarter of the price of an of a Uber or a Lyft. Uh, self-driving cars are gonna take the dri- the driver out uh, obviously once the cars become cheap enough and we can produce enough of them and and uh, but like if you think 15 years forward or, or whatever it is these cars are gonna be cheaper than anything else and will probably look different than within our current cars right we're still very much seeing an existing car that drives itself we haven't yet begun seeing okay what is this whole thing gonna look like when you don't have a steering wheel and you don't need a driver and you can be doing all kinds of other things in the car instead of just uh, instead of driving the CB Insights Machine Intelligence platform synthesizes, analyzes, and visualizes millions of documents to deliver fact-based insights. It enables smart companies to predict trends, see competitor strategies, explore new markets, and reveal opportunities to capitalize on change. Visit cbi.vc today to learn more.
1: Let's talk about the Israeli startup scene. You've made some remarks about Israel's startup nation status. Do you think Israeli startups need to do more to earn Silicon Valley's attention or do you think it's the other way around?
0: So what Waze got started in Israel today. Most of our engineering and product is, is in Israel. Some of it's in New York. Um, but a, over half of the company is, is based in Israel. Uh, Israel has a phenomenal technology base and you know, people have written about it, et cetera, et cetera. I think that israel is not very different than other technology centers so you go to stockholm or you go to you can go to to uh, to finland or you can go to all kinds of places where you're going to get really strong technology clusters and then there's always going to be this article about is stockholm the new silicon valley is tel aviv the new silicon valley mm-hmm. and frankly unless you can get facebook google apple etc to build their headquarters in your center and move it, you're never gonna create another Silicon Valley. And that's the challenge that companies have that are outside of Silicon Valley. Mm-hmm. The, the the old way used to be VCs in Silicon Valley only invested in companies that they could ride their bike to, right? That yeah. was, And that's changing. But I think the onus is actually on the startup. If you're a startup based in Israel or Finland or wherever you're based, it's your problem to figure out how to connect to Silicon Valley. Mm-hmm. The pace that things happen here are hard to explain. And I've met many entrepreneurs who, who've moved here. I have yet to meet someone who says, I moved too early. I've met a lot of people who said, they, I moved too late. Yeah. But no one ever says I moved too early, right? There's a pace of innovation that happens here and the pace of the combination of technology and business and financing and, and, and everything that happens together, which is challenging for any company not based here.
1: But if you are based elsewhere and you have a footprint here, an office with staff or whatnot, what's the difference?
0: That's a skill set. So how do you manage a company with a 10 hour time zone difference? Hmm. Uh, how do you actually make decisions and not uh, that uh, across this time zone? Uh, how do you actually hit the market with something that the market cares about? By the way, Silicon Valley has the same kind of problem, right? We're developing products for ourselves, not for anyone else in the world, right? But so that's, Not
1: to mention getting talent to come to a place and, where housing costs are astronomical. And then there's a
0: huge advantage in Israel and other places of the cost of talent, the quality of talent, the... Um, There's a churn function of talent in Silicon Valley that you don't get in other countries and other companies. right? There's a a certain patriotism about your company that that, that doesn't really exist so much. I think Silicon Valley is much more of of a mercenary kind of a a culture. But at the end of the day, you think about an entrepreneur in China. He doesn't care about Silicon Valley. His market's in China. It's a large enough market. He is going to be... Everything's done there, it doesn't really matter. But if you want to build a global brand and you're coming, you have to be able to make it successful in Silicon Valley. If you're successful here, you'll be successful anywhere. If you're su- successful somewhere else, it doesn't mean anything about being successful here.
1: In addition to leading ways you're also on the board of Aerobiotics, um, an Israeli company specializing in autonomous industrial drones. Tell us a little bit about that and what you're seeing in the drone market in Israel.
0: So I, th- I think. So drones, to, to me, autonomy is a, is a fundamental change in how we organize our society and how we organize our, our economy. And it's coming from a variety of places. So cars are obviously a place where, 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 all, where I'm definitely involved in. But drones are another fascinating space. And we have also production means in factories, and in, in 3D printing, et cetera. And this is going to restructure how we, do, how we do fundamental things. Right? How do we move things in the world? And I think we're building towards a world where you'll be able to move any physical thing, whether it's a person or a box or or food, anywhere at a, a practically zero cost. And in that world, a lot of things change, right? Why do you need a kitchen if you can have your kitchen be three miles away with a professional chef cooking, a professional robot chef, who's cooking any kind of meal you could ever imagine? Why would you have a refrigerator in your house where you have food that's, that's degrading, you're trying to, to actually manage your own supply chain of how much milk do I need, right? All these kinds of things will, will, will fundamentally change. So drones are a big part of that. And, and uh, Aerobotics is, is a fascinating company there. The challenge, I think, that, that drones have similar to autonomous cars is how do you start jumpstart your business in a way that you can actually work before the regulation catches up with the technology? And what has have done is they're focused very much on factories, industrial location, mines, ports some of the nastiest places in the world. And they're flying autonomously within those constraints uh, uh, of that territory. And that's giving them the ability to fly hundreds and thousands and tens of thousands of flight hours in real scenarios in the real world where they're surrounded by such dangerous materials that they're probably the safest thing sort of in that place. They're not flying over you know, uh, 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 civilian uh, uh, areas and they're building up that autonomous expertise. So they have a robotic box that you put in your facility and literally it'll run, it'll open up, a drone will fly out, it'll do missions, it'll come back, it'll change its batteries, it'll change its cameras, it'll go out again, and everything without any human intervention. And this is what we're going to have in in every street corner, 10, 15 years, right? Uh, uh, But to get there, just like Tesla needs to have me driving around as it's for it to collect the data, Aerobotics is doing that in mines and other places with customers today so they can get those flight hours. I and mean,
1: when you're talking about bringing food from a remote kitchen, then that has definite implications for the door dashes of the world, right?
0: I mean, it's really, literally anything, right? We think about Amazon and we think about what, what Amazon Prime has done for us, right? Well, now what if Amazon Prime is real time and literally you want a screwdriver, you click screwdriver and within seven minutes the screwdriver shows up and you screw in whatever you want, and then you throw the screwdriver away and it goes away somewhere. Right? I mean, that's the kind of world we'll be thinking about. I have probably 10 different screwdrivers in my house because each time I can't find them, and I probably use my screwdrivers once every two months, mm-hmm. right? and these screwdrivers just sit there, but this is sort of how the world was organized. When we look you know, 10, 20 years to the future, my kids will definitely have a very different world that's organized differently. And just like Amazon Prime changed my life, that's all I buy from is Amazon Prime. I don't even go to stores anymore. Sure. For them, it's gonna be even much more extreme, right? This is just the beginning of, of what autonomy can look like. I want to-
1: CB Insights Events gives you access to the investors, operators, corporate leaders and topics that are shaping the future. The data we mine enables us to see critical trends, reveal emerging opportunities and inspire conversations. Join our community of innovators and discover how to capitalize on change. Visit cbi.vc slash events today to learn more. I want to quickly talk about company culture when we were chatting earlier. You mentioned how critical that is to the success of a company. It was a while ago that, that Waze was acquired by Google. How did you in solve that problem in that mode and, and have the coming together of these two companies? So
0: it's interesting. we were acquired in, in the summer of 2013. And it was just before Nest got acquired and before Alphabet was created, etc., But the model was similar in a sense to what Facebook did with Instagram and with WhatsApp. We were were left very, very autonomous. And that autonomy has allowed us to to operate like our own company within Google. And yes, there are tensions and, and, and issues to deal with, but I think this is the model that's been emerging in the Valley as the most successful types of acquisitions. I mean, Alphabet in a way is taking that model to the next level of having really independent companies. And I think as, Google, Facebook, Amazon, et cetera, scale, how do you create smaller and smaller units that can preserve their 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 DNA, their culture, especially when they do things that are very different? I mean if you're building hardware and you're building the pixel phone, you're very different than if you're working on search. You're very different, you're working on photos and, and or or health as we saw before and so Being able to create those smaller units where you do have that cohesive culture and process where people can can control the destiny of their unit. I mean, empowerment of the individual is a lot what what technology can give us, but we need that infrastructure for that.
1: Do Wazers see themselves as Wazers or Googlers? So this
0: was an ongoing issue. I think today they see themselves as Wazers. We actually have our own emails back. So I no, I'm at Waze. I'm not and Bardina Google anymore. And I think they, these are the kind of uh, uh, changes that go back into the culture. Culture is an intangible, but it's very, very clear what it is uh, when, when you see it or when it's broken.
1: Great. OK, underrated or overrated. All right. Are you ready? <laughs> Bitcoin. Overrated. Do you have any?
0: That's why. <laughs> exactly. If I had it, I would have said it's underrated. <laughs> yeah.
1: Blockchain.
0: Blockchain underrated. AI. Overrated. Facebook. Underrated. Google. Way underrated.
1: Oh. <laughs> Autonomous cars.
0: Both. I think they're underrated in what they're going to change and they're overrated in how fast they're going to come. Amazon. Way underrated.
1: Data security.
0: That's a tough one. Uh... I would say it's overrated in the sense of how secure it is. Tesla. Underrated. And Uber. Underrated.
1: Great. Noam Bardeen, thank you so much for joining us.
0: Thank you. At CB Insights, we use machine intelligence to synthesize, analyze, and visualize millions of documents and give you fast, fact-based insights. We give companies the power to take control, make better decisions, and capitalize on change. Learn more about us at cbi.vc.